Women Taking the Lead, episode 248. And I used to always tell myself, like when I first started speaking, you're not a public speaker, you have nothing to say. And then I would give 10 speeches. And I'm like, well, I feel like that's just not true. Like, how could that those statements be true if I just gave 10 speeches and lots of words came out of my mouth in front of other people that is public speaking. And I do have something to say. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I am here with Angela Lucier, who is an award-winning speaker, five-time author, two-time TEDx presenter, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of speaking clubs that help women discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. Angela is the host of Claim the Stage, a public speaking podcast for women rated number one on the inspiring podcast list by Forbes in 2017. And she is also a contributor to Huffington Post, and her work has been featured on ABC, NBC, Forbes, Virgin, and Entrepreneur. Her motto is stop waiting, start creating. Angela, I feel like this has been a long time in the coming, but you are here. We are chatting. I'm so excited. So if you could say hello to everybody and tell them a little bit more about yourself and your own humble beginnings. Okay. Well, hi, Jody, and hi, everybody who's listening today. Thanks so much for, for being part of this experience. I I guess my, my humble beginnings, <laughs> I, I was the shyest person you could ever meet growing up. I am very tall. I'm six feet tall, and I've been this height since I was 12. And for anyone listening, you might remember when you were 12, you were probably uh, a foot shorter than that, <laughs> especially the boys. And it was really... It was scary. It was uncomfortable. I felt like a weirdo. I felt like an alien. I felt like a monster. The boys were afraid of me. And the best way to deal with that kind of separation was to just disappear. So I became a wallflower and I just did everything I could to stay out of the spotlight. I never raised my hand in class. I didn't volunteer to be on a committee. I just kind of blended into the background. And that was an amazing survival mechanism all through high school and college. But when I got to my first job after college, started to realize that that survival mechanism was not going to work so well because when you are in the shadows and you give your ideas to other people, they could take credit for them. When you hide, it's harder to get promoted. And one day I made a terrifying observation that totally changed my life. I noticed that all the leaders in the company I was working for had this one trait in common. And that was that they were all amazing communicators. And not just that, they were also amazing public speakers. And you can imagine how scary that was for someone who's super shy to, to see and to learn and to then have to figure out what to do with that information. So it took me a couple years to decide that I wanted to learn public speaking because I thought, I don't want people to make fun of me. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be told there's something wrong with me and have, you know, people run away when I start screwing, when I start speaking, but decided that I wanted to be a leader one day and I didn't want my communication skills to get in the way and be the reason that I couldn't lead. So I joined Toastmasters when I was 25 and 
spent the next five years building my public speaking skills. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. I would drive to the meetings in tears just for years. I would just be crying, like working through all of my shyness and fear and that like self-hatred and that that worry that people weren't going to like me and I was going to say the wrong thing. And what if I sounded stupid? And what if I passed out? You know, all those things people think about when they're going to give a speech. And after years and years of doing it, that fear and the crying started to subside. And I started to build confidence in myself as a speaker. And in 2009, I started a business as a career consultant, had no money for marketing, was just kind of winging it, hoping that people would find me and realized if I want people to pay attention to me, I need to give them a reason to care. So I went out and I did free workshops. And over the course of my first year in business, I did a couple hundred, maybe close to 500 free workshops all over the place at Rotary Clubs, libraries, chambers, colleges, like basically anywhere that had chairs, I would like show up and speak. (laughs) And since then, I've written five books, I've become a professional speaker, and I've launched an organization that helps other women to find their voice um, in a community of other women who are who are on that same journey. And I'm sure we'll fill in more of the gaps, but that's the beginning story. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. And you know, I think you and I had connected over this before, just being so horribly shy when we were younger. I didn't realize you had hit six feet by the time you were 12 years old. My heart is going out to that little girl who is just like, what the hell is happening to my body? Yeah. You know, and oh. why am I hovering over everybody and everyone's looking at me? And like what you had, like your, your coping strategy and then having to unravel it to start Mm -hmm. really living that is so amazing and you know I love how you said it took years of going to these meetings crying and worrying about all the horrible things that we all think about right when we're first starting to get into that point where like I know I have to do public speaking and so I'm doing it and you said and I love that you said this And then my confidence started to build. I hear so many people say things like, how do I get the confidence to go out and do this thing? And typically they don't like this answer, but typically I come back and I say, go out and do that thing. And then the confidence will come. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the hard work that brings the confidence. It doesn't just show up by thinking about it for years. You have to actually practice because public speaking is a skill like so many other things. And it's not like you're just born with it. There are very few people. I think I've met like two people who who have said, oh, yeah, I've just always loved and been great at public speaking. And I've talked to thousands of people about this topic over 10 years. And so it's something you have to really commit to. And the the discomfort is the growth. Mm-hmm. So you have to just kind of know that when you have that feeling of nausea or anxiety or your your palms are sweating, like that's all part of the process. You're doing it right. Yes. And a lot of people run away when they feel that. It's like, no, 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 no. That's the entry point to the confidence. I know it feels really gross and you're like crying and you've got like mascara all over your face, but you're doing it right. (laughs) I often say to my friends, I'm like, if I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack, I know I'm on the right track. I need to do this. I need like, it's important. I'm having a panic attack because this is important. It's not really a panic attack. I just, you know, we get that like sweaty, heated, heart pumping feeling. And then I'll get like a, a really tight sensation in my solar plexus. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the sign. I have to do this (laughs) because I kind of feel like I'm dying. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. I've actually started to use that feeling as the test for whether or not I should do something. Like if I feel a ton of resistance and a lot of fear, that means I have to do it. Yes. Yes. I'm the same way. Oh my God. It's a sickness, but it's a good one. Like, but here's the thing. Look at how drastically both our lives have changed since we got over those stories around, I feel uncomfortable, so I shouldn't. I'm afraid, so I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't know if I deserve it, you know, like, like, it's amazing, like in, in the, the telling of your, you know, 10,000 foot version of your story, you know, it was when you decided, you know, I'm not going to let these things hold me back. I'm going to have a different story about myself. Look at how prolific you have become because you don't let those things stop you anymore. Yes, absolutely. And and no one really tells you that. Like I felt like at that age, I didn't realize that by over by by working through all the tears and the discomfort that I would get to where I wanted to be. I thought that the whole time I'm like, is it this hard for everybody? Why is this so hard for me? <laughs> like I didn't have any friends who were going through it at the time. I didn't have a coach. I was just like out there by myself. And so I realized after the fact, it's really important to have a support system. And yeah. it's really important to know other people who are going through the same thing that you can talk to about it. Because you start to think there's something wrong with you if it's like really hard or painful or brings up lots of beliefs that you start to wonder if they're true or not. Right. Yes. And having people in your life, because I was going to say, yes, those two things in tandem will hold you back. If you have a lot of really like strong ingrained stories about how you can't and it's not possible and you don't deserve it or you're not worthy or you're not skilled enough or talented or what have you. And you also don't have a support system around you of people who are doing what you want to be doing or like see you for who you really are. You will in isolation, you will keep reaffirming those stories like it's by being around other people who say, no, 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 that's not true. You can try this or I see you differently or I felt the way you felt when I started. Yeah. And, and I'm here now like that helps to unravel those stories so you can take the actions. Yes. And that the sharing of those experiences gives you permission to feel the way you feel instead of constantly questioning it. Like, is this normal? Like, oh, everybody else feels this way. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> just even in the telling, like I have this belief, blah. And as you're, it's coming out of your mouth, you have this thought, that's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> I've had clients say that to me. Well, now that I say it out loud, it doesn't like, it's not true or it sounds so ridiculous. I'm like, yes, this is part of what I get paid for it's just for you to say things out loud <laughs> but it's so powerful when we start to take our beliefs and like throw them up against reality mm -hmm. like all of a sudden they dissolve it's only the really tricky ones you know that like might take a little more massaging but most of our limiting stories if we just spoke about them you know right. and shared them with other people they would dissolve Right. And I used to always tell myself, like when I first started speaking, you're not a public speaker, you have nothing to say. Mm -hmm. And then I would give 10 speeches. And I'm like, well, I feel like that's just not true. Like, how could that those statements be true if I just gave 10 speeches and lots of words came out of my mouth in front of other people that is public speaking. And I do have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm constantly going over the time. Oops, I guess I do have a lot to say. <laughs> a yeah. Lot of, more, like, lot of prove words. yourself wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah.
Yes. All right, Angie, clearly you have come a long way. You know, there's always more to do, more to grow, more, you know, blind spots and stories that we have to unravel. But my goodness, like night and day compared to where you used to be. And clearly you've shared this story of like being held back and being um, really shy. So I'm sure you have many stories to share with us. But which playing small story did you choose to share with us? Well, this story is a defining moment in my life. And I think it's so important to share because it's another one of those examples where you get to choose if you want to follow what you feel to be right or listen to others. And in 2008, I was working at an executive recruiting firm. And in that environment, it's very structured. You're given a script to read. You're supposed to make a certain number of phone calls each day. It's a lot of cold calling. And I was really feeling confined by the expectations of the role because you really just had to sit at your desk and dial all day. And at my six-month review, right before my six-month review, my boss came over to my desk and said, to prepare for this meeting, we'd like for you to put together a presentation that answers this question, what makes me different from other recruiters? And I was so excited when I got that question because I was like, oh my God, this is finally my chance to be creative. I get to think about all the things I could do differently and how I want to present myself. And I'm going to make a whole marketing campaign. I'm going to present it at this meeting and I'm going to really inspire them and get them excited about what else I could be doing besides just dialing the phone. So I went home that night and it was like a fourth grade science project. I made a big, <laughs> a lot of construction paper, <laughs> like lots of glue, lots of scissors. And I put together this whole presentation of how I was going to market myself to be different from other recruiters. I went into the meeting, I sat down, I presented it like with so much pride to my bosses. And when I was done, I said, so what do you guys think? And my, my boss, the owner of this branch said, Angela, we knew your creativity was going to be an issue when we hired you. And I mean, I just, I just kind of looked at him and felt my heart sank and I felt all the enthusiasm drain out of my body and I felt like what is wrong with me why can't I figure out how to make this work why can't I feel like why is it that when I get excited about something and I share ideas I constantly get shot down it's happened to other jobs it's happened at school it's happened in friendships what is wrong with me and my creativity why is it an issue and so I went back to my desk and I just kept going the way that I had been trained, just get on the phone, read the script, do the work. And it went that way for about six months. And I, I kept feeling like there's something wrong with me. Why, why can't I just get it right and just follow the rules like everybody else? And I was really playing small because I wanted to follow their plan for me to just fit in and do the thing I was hired to do. And I would drive to work every day, kind of hoping that I would get into a car accident or my, I would get a flat tire so I didn't have to go back there. And that seemed totally normal too, by the way. <laughs> so I'm like, can someone just drive into me today? Like, that would be great. And because it was so uncomfortable to be there, but I felt like I had to change myself in order to fit into the environment. And one day I woke up and said, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's them. Maybe I'm just not among my tribe. And decided that I was going to make a big splash and I was going to do something different and walked into my boss's office and I said, I'm going to quit my job. I don't want to be here anymore. He's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to be a career consultant. I'm going to start my own company. And he said, oh yeah, everybody leaves here and says they're going to start their own company. 
And I was like, well, I am. And I just like walked out. And 20 minutes later, I started my business. And every day, <laughs> every day I heard his voice in my head saying, everybody says they're going to start a business. And that fueled me for an entire year working like 16 hour days just because I wanted to prove him wrong. And I think that this story is a playing small moment because I did play small for six months after he said that my creativity was an issue. And it wasn't until I sort of woke up one day and said, is this the life I want to just follow what other people tell me is right or wrong about me? Or do I want to create my life based on what I feel is right? Because I know my creativity isn't an issue. That doesn't even make any sense. And I spent like that whole first year of, of running my business proving to myself and others that my creativity is a gift. And it was the coolest thing I've ever done because it helped to give me more confidence and to prove to me that there's nothing wrong with my creativity. But if I believed him, I'd probably still be there just reading the script and making phone calls. Oh, God. I can't even imagine you doing that now that I know you. Like, that must have been so painful and horrible. And yeah, that definitely, and you're not alone. You're not the, you're probably the, you know, like 50th person I've heard say something like, you know, I, I hate my job so much or I hated my job so much that I wish I would get like a, a serious illness so I wouldn't have to go to work or somebody would, I'd get into a car accident on the way to work so I wouldn't have to go in and, you know, and like I've had some of those thoughts myself when I really did not like, you know, go, you know, my job at the time. And, you know, when you say like, you know, rather than being like, this place doesn't work for me. This, these people are obviously not my people immediately go into, maybe there's something wrong with me. Oh my God. Like I just, my face gets flushed even thinking about that because I know so, well, like how painful that must've been. And there are probably some women who are listening right now who like, that's their story. Like I am an apple in a company of oranges and they're trying to make me an orange. <laughs> and yep. I am not, I'm an apple, you know, and I've had this conversation with some prior clients before too, of like, they're just not your people. It's not, or it's not your zone of genius. Like you have to find that there, there's nothing wrong with not fitting a certain company or even group, but we have to recognize that first. Otherwise we, those questions come up. What's wrong with me? Why can't I make this work? Why can't I crack the code? Why can't I fit in? And that's just a painful, horrible place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a break here to talk about my newest sponsor, Care Of. Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be hard to get all the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective, quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. I've been using Care Of this month and to get set up, I took a quick five minute quiz to make sure my order was personalized to my needs and goals. I got a 30 day supply shipped right to my door and the packaging was perfect too. The box is a tower that stands on my counter with a slit at the bottom and each day I pull out a packet and it had my vitamins for the day already measured out. It's an easy grab and go. The packet also has awesome facts and quotes on them. I can also modify my subscription at any time. So if I want to boost immunity this month, but would rather trade off to focus on brain function next month, I can do that quickly and easily online. And there's no reason why I have to trade off. The price is so reasonable that I could just add the uh, brain function to my order. So for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit Take Care of. 
com and enter promo code LEAD. It's T A K E C A R E O F dot com and the promo code LEAD is L E A D. Again, for 25% off your first month of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter promo code LEAD. All right, Angela. So, Part of my mission is to get that there is no one way to lead. I think sometimes women don't see themselves as leaders because they see that like, you know, that that charismatic, schmoozy, you know, can do everything leader. And they say to themselves, well, I'm not that. So I'm not a leader. And I want everyone to get that there. There is no one way to lead there. Like we all bring our own leadership style and strengths to the table. So Angela, how would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style is leading by example. I don't expect anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do. And I also know that we're all on a different phase of our growth. And by sharing stories about where I was and how it how I got to where I am today, I hope to use those stories as a way to inspire people and also inform them and give them information about steps they could be taking for their own life. And so a lot like a lot of my public speaking is about sharing of experiences in my life and then giving tips on how to move forward. And right now, Speaker Sisterhood, we now are growing as a company and I'm leading a staff. And so I use stories a lot, but I also ask them a lot of questions because I believe they have a lot of their own ideas and experiences to add to our plans and our goals. So instead of saying, here's what we're doing, I often go into the meeting saying, what do you guys think we should do? And I ask them to bring ideas to the conversation so that we have 10 ideas to start with instead of just my my idea and moving forward with it. And I think that makes us a really strong team. And it also helps to get people really invested in the mission. Yeah, that's brilliant. I actually had a conversation with a leader of uh, an organization that I am a part of, and there was an email that went out wanting everybody to weigh in. And he's and we were having a private conversation. He's like, I'm I'm not responding right away, or I'm going to respond privately because I feel like if I respond first, that's going to lead the conversation, and everyone's just going to go, Yep, that sounds good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I, he's like, and I don't want that. I want everyone to feel bought in. They like they participated. I want different perspectives to come forward. And so I'm going to I'm going to avoid the converse, the question at first. And I was like, that's brilliant. That is great leadership right there. So well done. Um, and Angela, what's one? Th- I mean, your speaker sisterhood is growing. This may or may not be the thing you're going to expound upon. But I'm curious about one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about. Well, I'm really excited about my speaking tour that is taking me all over New England over the course of this month, April, to get into more communities and meet more women and talk to them about the mission of the Speaker Sisterhood and give them the inspiration and tools to want to speak up. So on the speaking tour, I'm stopping at women's networking groups, corporations, we're doing private dinners and homes, we're going to TV and radio station morning shows to spread the word about the value of speaking up and finding your voice so that you can have a seat at the table, so that you can ask for what you need need at home and at work. So you can apply for that leadership position that you never thought you could ever be considered for. And you could actually apply to speak at a conference and do all these things that you may think you're not capable of doing. But once you start to 
practice public speaking and start to find your voice in a community of other women, you realize, wow, there's so much more that's possible. So the speaking tour is all about spreading the word about the value of doing this work and also promoting my new book, The Secret Life of Speaking Up prequel, which is a collection of 30 tiny speaking adventures that help you to practice using your voice in low threat situations where it's like actually really fun to do and it stretches you a little bit outside your comfort zone so that you can start seeing what it's like to use your voice and how that connects you to new opportunities and new relationships and gets you to see yourself differently at the same time. Oh my God. I love that. I can't wait for, is it out now or is it coming out? Yeah, it just came out in March. Okay, perfect. I'm definitely going to be looking for that. And for those of you who are local to the Portland, Maine area, so this episode is coming out on Monday, April 2nd. If you are listening to this in real time or within the first few days after it drops, Angela is going to be in Portland on Friday, April 6th at 1820 Wines. So you can meet her in person. And if you're in the New England area, Angela, where would they go to find out where your stops are? Well, you can go to speakersisterhood.com slash speaking tour, and we'll be in Portland, Portsmouth, North New Hampshire, Boston, Cape Cod, Providence, and Worcester over the course of the month. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And okay, Angela, on the flip side of things, what would you say is a leadership or business challenge that you're currently faced with right now? And we'll see if there's an opportunity for coaching. Yeah, this is great. So as the CEO of this company, one thing I think about all the time is money and is my least favorite part of running a business, but I realize it's really important. So I'm always thinking about cash flow. I'm thinking about the next six months. I'm thinking about revenue streams and investments. And what I'm realizing is even though I've built a scalable business, we haven't hit the level we need to be at in order to be a sustainable business. So we have 26 public speaking clubs right now, and I want to get to 100 by the end of 2018. And the reason for that is because when we hit 100, we'll be sustainable because of the fee structure we have set up. So right now I'm in this weird place of having cash flow and having a staff, but feeling really nervous about how close we are to being in the black and being in the red every month. It's like pretty. <laughs> it's a dance, isn't it's a it? Dance. It's a We're on this side. We're on that side. We're I mean, on you this could call side. it a dance. But it's like the craziest looking dance you've ever seen. In your life. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a monkey just hanging from <laughs> branches because it's, we're just really close all the time. And, you know, we, we need to just keep, keep the the steady growth in order to get there or we need investors. So that's where I am right now. Okay. So you either need steady growth or an investor to go from 20 clubs to a hundred clubs in the next year, you said, and what would, if you had an investor, like what would you do with the money? I would pay my staff with it because we need the, the people in place for all the support of putting these clubs together and marketing them and building them. Gotcha. Okay. So steady growth to go from 20. What was the other thing you said? There was an investor or you just need steady growth. That's, that was yeah, the other piece. Yeah. Or we need to change the revenue models and look at other ways to make money too. Cause right now we make money through the licensing fees that the club leaders pay when they start a club. Uh, we make money through our membership program fees and then I get paid to speak and paid to coach people and we also have the speaking school for women which was a live course but now I have no time to teach it so I'm thinking about making it an evergreen course because that could be an interesting revenue stream too. 
Yes, I love that idea. And it's not hard. You're you're very comfortable with, well, I say this because knowing you, you're very comfortable with video. And it wouldn't be difficult for you to put some videos together that you could put out. Most people are just looking to like dip their toe in initially. And then, you know, like you put out the like low cost product, like low cost, low, you know, low time commitment. And then that's essentially becomes a marketing tool for the bigger program. And you can definitely do that. And that might give you some like revenue while you're, you know, to kind of keep you in the black while you're doing this like monkey dance that (laughs) (laughs) that you've described. And in terms of like, it sounds like um, with the revenue model, it's working right now. It just needs to be a bigger number. Yep. It needs to go from 20 to 100. And of these 20 clubs, like there, so obviously there are 20 different people who are paying this licensing fee so that they can, you know, put this together. They're obviously making money off yep. of this as well. How are those 20 people doing? They're doing well, and and since the Speaker Sisterhood brand is still only about a year, year and a half old, a lot of the time they're spending in the networking space is educating people on the fact that this exists. And so a lot of our clubs are at, you know, the maximum is 15 members, so a lot of them have, you know, 10, 12 members. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are full, but for the most part, we still have space to add more. Okay. And are you using um, the current... I don't know the correct word for it, licensors, um, in your marketing. Uh, are we marketing them? Yes. And like, in terms of like, are they giving testimonials? Cause that's what people want to know. Like, okay, if I buy this licensing fee, like, is this going to work? Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to get out of it? So I'm wondering if you're utilizing the stories of the people who are already doing well to help educate the people who are thinking about buying this and being a part of it. Yeah, that's a great question. We're doing a lot of member testimonials right now, but we haven't done leader testimonials. And that's a really good idea, even though many of our leaders are also members. But getting the testimonial from their perspective as someone who is running a club, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what, what made me think of that is because you need 80 more people to say yes mm-hmm. to this. They're going to help you find the, you know, 10 to 15 people to be a part of their organization, right? So then they're joining forces, but it sounds like the key for you, what's going to create the tipping point is 80 people who are like, yes, I want to be a part of that. Um, So I'm wondering if part of your um, marketing initiative should be to what is the ideal client for the person who buys the license? Mm. Yeah. And and right now I'm noticing that the women who are self-employed, like coaches, Mm -hmm. consultants, designers, freelancers, real estate agents are ideal for running clubs because they're already marketing, networking. They have their leaders in their own way. They're used to organizing their time. Yeah. And they also have space and time for another revenue stream. Yeah. And it showcases their abilities within their business. Because typically I would imagine, you know, being a coach, like a coach who headed up a group like that in my area, people would probably hire them for other things too. Like they would be a part of the, um, the speaker sisterhood, but then as the coach is just kind of doing their thing, people get to know them, like them, trust them. People go, well, what is it you do? Oh, yeah, I'm, that could be something that could benefit me as well. So definitely, um, you know, part of the the public awareness is like, hey, th- like, yes, you buy a licensing fee, but you also make money directly 
from mm-hmm. the running of the club, but then you also have this opportunity for other income to come to you just by showcasing yourself as a professional and as a leader. Mm-hmm. That could bring some potential. Um, anything you've been thinking about trying that you haven't tapped into? Um, yeah, recruiting events. We haven't created a, a pure event that would be just for women who are interested or thinking about creating a new revenue stream, being part of this movement and building their leadership skills. Most of my presentations are about public speaking, but I haven't created one that specifically caters to the women who might want to start a club. Ah, and it sounds like there's an added benefit to being somebody who starts a club where they get like added training from you. Yep. Yeah, they get tons of support and training. It's ongoing. Every month we have additional webinars that can learn different skills from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, how does how does that feel thus far? I mean, we don't have tons. Of, I mean, I'm, you and I could probably spend an hour like totally <laughs> like doing throwing flip charts up on the wall, game <laughs> plans, funnels, all sorts of fun stuff. But for the time we have allotted, how does that feel in terms of this challenge? Awesome. I think the idea of creating those testimonials and telling the stories of the women who are running the clubs is brilliant and like a really simple next step we can do pretty easily. Yes. And it'll have a ripple effect. That's what I like. I like about that. It's like they, they seem like the key piece, like key piece. It's great to have tons of people want to join the clubs, but you got to have that. Like p- partly what people are going to want to know is like, who's running this? Who's going to be the leader? You mm-hmm. know, cause, cause people want to know like, who am I following? Who's yeah. going to be in charge? Because I need to know it's going to be a strong leader, somebody who's reliable and capable, who's, who's going to be leading the charge on this. So yeah. Love that. Okay, cool. All right, Angela. Now we're going to go into the quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Definitely 100% without a doubt, focus. (laughs) As I mentioned earlier, I'm a creative person and I tend to come up with a lot of ideas and that's great. But when you're working on 17 ideas at once, very few things actually happen because your time is so divided. So what makes me a better leader is focusing on one or two things at a time and then really executing them before moving on to the next thing. And it's so hard to do because people are constantly coming up with new ideas in the membership. I get emails from my staff saying, hey, have you thought about this? What about this? And these are great ideas that I could see really working for us. But by focusing, that's when real change happens and we really build something. So I find that focus is just so critical. And by, by modeling that behavior of focus, it helps the team to also focus. And that's when we actually make progress. Mm-hmm. And that's how you lead by example. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and, and Angela, what advice would you give your younger self? trust yourself more. I used to think I had to look everywhere else for information. I would read tons of self-help books. I'd go to weekend retreats. I would hire coaches and go to therapists. And I think like a lot of that was helpful, but I think it was all coming from the wrong place. Like I was just too afraid to follow my own nose and try something. I just wanted someone else to tell me what to do. And I realize now that all of those resources have a place. It's good to have a support system like a therapist or a coach, but trust yourself at the same time. And I wish that I just had more confidence in myself and would have just kind of believed in who I was and didn't spend so much time second guessing all the time. Love it. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Well, 
I'm going to share my motto, and and this is something I live by. It's stop waiting, start creating. And I came up with this probably 15, almost 15 years ago, because I started to realize that I wasn't going to learn anything unless I actually tried out the ideas in my head. Because when you think about things, what lead, what that leads to is more thinking about things and nothing actually changes. So when I started to actually take action on my ideas, that's when things started to change. That's when I started to learn. That's when answers started to emerge. And I started to feel like I was getting somewhere. And so I've lived by that motto since my early 20s. And I've really felt like that has been the secret to my success is that I don't wait too long to execute something. I just get started right away. And then I, I shorten that learning curve and I get, I make mistakes, but those mistakes become information and then they get me where I want to go even faster. Love it. All right, Angela, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Speakersisterhood.com. All right. And for those of you who are listening, you know, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. Angela, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Oh, thank you, Jody. It was a pleasure to be here. I love talking to you. Before we say goodbye, I want to take a moment to talk about a conference that has been very good for me and very good to me. Podcast Movement is going to Philadelphia this July, so if you are a podcaster or a someday will be podcaster and you're on the East Coast, you're not going to want to miss this. Questions I frequently get from someone thinking of starting a podcast include what mic, software, and apps they should be using. Frankly, these are tough questions for me to answer because the answer usually starts with, well, it depends. They often ask what I'm using because they assume if it's good for me, it's good for them, but that's not always the case. The Expo Hall at Podcast Movement features over 60 podcast service and equipment providers. So whether you're in the market for a microphone, trying to figure out where to host your podcast, or what apps you should know about, anyone who matters will be on site to help you out. Check in for the conference and welcome parties start the night of July 23rd, and the conference sessions run the 24th through the 26th. For $50 off any level of registration, visit podcastmovement.com and enter promo code LEAD. That's podcastmovement.com, promo code LEAD, L-E-A-D. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.